I cannot believe that it is March already. That's crazy. It literally feels like we were just celebrating I feel, the new I, year like yesterday. Yeah. Like, and I feel like already I haven't, I'm already like lacking sleep. I know. <laughs> I'm lacking sleep. I'm behind on everything. Like everyone's planning for summer. And I'm like, wait, what did Christmas already happen? It's crazy how fast time goes the older that we get. Like, and the more busy you are, it just seems to even fly faster. Like, you like look at the clock and the calendar, and you're like, I have a few months until... And then the next time I look at it, I have three days. <laughs> <laughs> I know. You know what that tells me? We just need to stop having fun. They say yeah. time flies when you have fun, so we should just be boring blobs. But I like having fun. <laughs> <laughs> boring blobs. Yeah, we'll just be boring blobs. Well, like, imagine me. us oozing outdoors and, and yeah, no it's movement, like no articulation. Slime. Like, yeah. <laughs> Gray slime in a jar. <laughs> That's how we're going to sound, too. That's how I imagine blobs sounding. <laughs> How's it going? Melancholy. It's the Ides of March. You know what else it is? St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> Women's History Month. Queen. Huh? It's Women's oh, History yeah. Month. <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, I was very, very, very bad at following the trend months. <laughs> As a teacher, I like there would be this newsletter that would say, "It's this month. You should do these types of things with your class." And I'd be like, "I oh, already have it's curriculum. February. Draw pictures of Abraham Lincoln." Like, and you're like, uh. "I already have curriculum, and I don't want to do the boring stuff that every single teacher does." Yeah, you're not like trying to have your kids cut out like pieces you're of like, construction they, paper. They and class, they're, they're they're making like a mosaic. Of, right. Like, you know, Abe Lincoln. <laughs> That's wife. what I'm saying. Little like, glued pieces right. of construction paper. They're all doing artwork uh, regarding that that they can learn that in their other classes. So like, let me have something that's different. Huh, girl, that's what history is for, bro. Yeah, Take, right. Learn about American history in a history class. Learn about art history in our history class. I mean, in an art class. No, I mean, I did some art history, but like at the same time, like when you see, you you click it on and then you see the kids' eyes roll back, glaze over, yeah. And then like I feel like I just wasted their phones time. come out. Yeah, <laughs> they're like I wasn't. They're not even pretending to pay attention to, to you anymore. Anything that we just did, and then I, you know, it just it's a lost cause. Yeah, but I mean, we're women, so we kind of need to be appreciative no, of the trailblazers that came before no, us. I understand that. I just feel like it should be every day. <laughs> right. Every day we should It be shouldn't be just a month. It should be like rec- recognition constantly for every race, color, right. creed, origin. It should be discover like, someone yeah. new every single day. There should be someone new. That- Today's national discover someone new day. And they're like, wasn't that yesterday? You're well, like, it's today day. too. Where every, every single day is like mapped out with like, like, this is like pirate shirt day. I'm like, come on. It's like learn about your neighbor. Eat a sandwich day. Come on. <laughs> right? Were there like national macaroni and cheese day? I can do that any day. Yeah. Don't try to force it. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> yeah, making me want macaroni and cheese now. <laughs> My husband makes mean macaroni and cheese. And all he does is add like Velveeta to the fucking box mix or something. I don't know. A touch of love, a dash of that. Anyways, I'm getting way off topic, but now I'm dreaming of macaroni and cheese, all creamy and... Oh, that was just my own gripe. Segway. 
off of the... And then I made it worse. But we can't do things normal. We wouldn't be us if we were just talking about regular women's history. Mm-hmm. We have to talk about the weird, the unusual, the scary, the fucking... We're going to highlight one of the worst <laughs> cases of women's history possible. Right. And, and it could be... You know what? It's so funny because we do... Well, not... Yeah, I guess. Whatever. We talk about, you know true crime and and hauntings and all this crazy stuff all the time and whenever i mention this person no one ever knows who she is and i'm like dude uh, she was like one of america's like early and maybe first i don't know i didn't dive into that yeah, serial killers labeled america's first like female serial killer what do they call her like degenerate i think is the word that they use for her but i was but... gonna say bell gunner <laughs> <laughs> What do they call her? Um, Belle Gunness. Her name. Um, <laughs> by her name. Actually, she was born in the fall of 1859. There was a young woman by the name of Brynhild Paulsdatter Storith in Selbu, Norway. And she was the youngest of eight children. And she was raised on it's a... F- always the baby of the right? family. Shut up. What are you trying to say? <laughs> what the fuck are you trying to say right now? middle what are you trying to say (laughs) what are you trying to say to me um (laughs) and she grew up on a farm in norway and she's described as a strong woman i think as an adult they say she's somewhere between five foot nine and six feet tall weighing around 200 pounds so she's even for that time period that was unusually tall yeah she was just like she wasn't heavy or anything she was like a farmhand she like was strong she worked on her farm with her family and she seemed to have lived like a pretty normal um childhood in life Mm -hmm. and um it wasn't until i think she got pregnant as in her late teens maybe 17 or 18 years old Mm -hmm. and she lost the baby and there's so many stories surrounding that there's two that have never like really been like their stories deemed fact yeah, right, you know right. like the, but there's stories that have gone and around in the, the village story is pivotal and if if everything that is said about her is true that's pretty much i think is they they try to pin it as like the origin right so yeah like the origin of her becoming uh the Leaving black her. widow they called yeah. her the black widow um but she apparently was pregnant and she was at some like country dance and some guy attacked her and ended up kicking her in the stomach, causing her to, to lose her baby. And she obviously was horribly devastated and not very long after the, the guy was never charged, but he suddenly and mysteriously died of cancer, stomach cancer, well, like out of the blue. Don't forget to point out that this guy with the, the story kind of points at it. This is guy she was involved with is probably the dad of the baby. Well, no, there's two, wealthy. there's two thoughts. One was one that was detached. And then the other one was, um, the guy that she was seeing, you know, was like fed up and didn't want the baby and then ended up killing the baby. And yeah. she fucking just, and everyone says like immediately her whole personality changed. Yeah. Well, she was attacked brutally and she miscarried carries. And again, like because a story is like, like what do you call it? Uh, not validated or in like how would you say that? Like there's no, it's no, really there's never been yeah proven. It's, so, it's just stuff that people said around the town, but no one could v- completely verify that it was fact. And then when you think back to like just that in itself and who she is as she gets older, um, there's no also s- suggestion to like that. This is what caused it. But what if she was always like that? And what if like what happened? was something that was purposeful on her end as well. Like, 
again, we're gonna we're gonna get back to this later. I was like, just me being on a conspiracy theory. Uh, like early on, it's like food for thought for later. Right, yeah, right. we're foreshadowing. foreshadowing. Um, so anyways, she has this like horrific thing happen to her. And I guess one of her older sisters had already uh, emigrated to the United States. So she thought, you know, that's a good fucking idea. And I've heard different stories that she just kind of went to start her life over. And I've also heard that she followed a circus, you know, like mm-hmm. type thing and, and went to work in the circus. So I'm, it's all too. unclear. Yeah. It's all the early part is all pretty much unclear, but it's what happens after that becomes really clear. So she moves to the United States and she decides that Brynhild isn't a very common <laughs> American style name. So that's when she changes it to Belle and she makes her way to Chicago, Illinois, mm-hmm. um, where she works as a servant. And she had done that for years. I mean, it's what she knew how to do. It was her trade at farms and and such before that. So it just made sense that she fell into that when she came to the United States. But so she's here and she ends up meeting this guy. And his name was Mads Albert. Just how it sounds. M-A-D-S. Mads Albert. Sorensen. And after a couple of years of being together... They decided to open up a candy store. Yeah, that to me when I heard that, I'm like that seems like something that may have been like something that was fruitful, like or like her saving grace, like right. you know, like get her away from her past, and now she's made it to America, and like you know, the American dream. You start your own business, you're gonna make money and right. whatever. But it turns out that the um, candy store wasn't very uh, fruitful. It it wasn't you know they didn't make a lot of money. They weren't super successful. So about not long after. After that, the her home and the store, quote unquote, mysteriously burned down. And the husband and wife, Mads and, and Belle, ended up collecting like a shit ton of money. Like a shit ton. And on, you know, from the insurance claim. And with that money, they were able to buy a new home. Together, they had four kids, Caroline, Axel, Myrtle, and Lucy. And the weird thing is, is that Caroline and Axel, they died really young, Mm -hmm. like babies or toddlers or Mm -hmm. something, of what was said was colitis. Now, as you go further on in the story, you're going to, it's painful. Um, You get like severe cramping, you vomit, your bowels are all jacked up and stuff. And I can see like a young child at the time, like not surviving it especially Mm -hmm. not having the appropriate medical care nausea fever diarrhea and lower abdominal pain and cramping it's an inflammatory reaction in the colon often autoimmune or infectious and acute means severe (sighs) yeah severe so i guess that makes sense but this is the the definition that you find when you um type it up on google so they die of it and coincidentally more food for thought the symptoms of colitis are also pretty identical to symptoms that you would get if you were poisoned, mm-hmm. which is creepy to and think of. That's like super sad. Like, and again, like all of these things are like snowballing, snowballing. So, snowballing. right. So her two, her two youngsters die and she then also takes in a 10 year old girl. And this, this child is going to be important later in the story as well. And the kid's name was something Couch. And she changed, she changed it to Jenny Olsen, mm-hmm. which is interesting, too. I mean, Olsen's not even their name, at, I mean, at this time. 
I mean, Sorensen is his name. So it's just all bizarre. Anyway, so then in 1900, Albert dies. And this is the thing that's crazy about his death. So he had two life insurance policies. And there was one day, one day that the two policies overlapped. And if he died on that one day, like, they could reap the benefits of both policies and be fucking, like, rich. So, again, you guys, this was back before the day of the internet (laughs) and people having awesome research skills. Right. Or, like, you know, maybe their investigations. Like, maybe she had... I'm starting to think from the stories that I've heard so far that she had, like, mad, like argumentative skills or ways to manipulate Yeah, like, she was a good debater. Like, she she could have been a lawyer, I think. Yeah, there's there's something about her that just pulls the convincing over other people's eyes, and you'll understand even more as we divulge more details. Yeah, you you wanted to believe her, you did believe her, but I think you were also, like, coerced into believing her. Like, she was so... I think that she was narcissistic, for sure, Mm -hmm. and she just had the ability to gaslight like you wouldn't fucking believe yeah, like she was the queen of gas she, she uh, yeah she was just crazy like because when albert died his when a, a doctor actually first said that he was suffering from strychnine, strychnine poisoning, poisoning so yeah there was already some doubt but they had a family doc- doctor who stepped in and said no he died of enlarged heart so and then well, i guess with a little bit of arguing they let her into the process or something like that or they just one person decided that it wasn't. Well, murder. yeah, like they weren't they weren't gonna go with that, and so they were like, "No, we're gonna go this way." And then the doctor's like, "Well, we'll do an obstetrics," and they're like, "No, it's not necessary. He died of a, of a heart attack or mm-hmm. whatever. Like, fucking leave it alone." Mm-hmm. So they let it go. Maybe and I mean, back him. and back then, I mean, obviously it's 1900 at the time, so things are a little bit different. It was 123 years ago. Um, like, there's no way. Oh, actually, with some of the cases that I've seen in this day and age, I guess someone could be convinced to let evidence go still, which is fucking scary. But it was more apt to happen, like, easy to happen. Mm-hmm. There was, like, no DNA and that kind of shit back then. So it was just sort of, sort of like, okay, let's just let... He's dead. He's dead. Mm-hmm. So anyway, she fucking reaps, like, the reward of the overlapped um, insurance policy. And it it um, was $8,500, which in today's day and age would be about... $240,000. Yeah, $240,000. Which, even for their times, was a lot. I mean, imagine $240,000 today can't even buy you a house. But back then... Could buy you That a was fucking a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. That was a shit ton of money. Um... So, yeah, so she ends up, just like Tish said, it could buy you a farm, and that's what she did. But she bought a farm on the outskirts of LaPorte, Indiana. So she moved from Chicago to LaPorte. It was shortly reported after that that, like, parts of her property, like the boathouse and carriage houses, burned down to the ground. And this happens to be, like, right after she acquired the property. So I don't know what that was. If she, like, maybe she got... They don't really go into much detail, but if that means that she um, got fire insurance, you know, she, she, or there was a claim and she reaped money from it, or if she was trying to destroy some evidence. And it could have been because, like, again, we only know snippets of what she's been, you know, I guess linked to, but like, it could have been a lot of things. It could have been, hey, I don't want this in here and this is my way of dealing with it. Uh, I see if I can collect some insurance money. All of it's just really, really suspicious. And I'm really surprised with a chain of events that um, ended the way that it did. 
Let me put it that way. Yeah, so as she's making this move, though, she runs into some dude that she used to know in Norway, funny enough. His name was Peter Gunnis, which is how she got her name, Belle Gunnis. And he's a butcher and then, and you know, making a good, a good living for himself. Mm-hmm. And they get married in Laporte in April 1902. Well, he had two children of his own. She still had her two children, mm-hmm. and she had um, the the Jenny girl that she was fostering or adopted at this time, and then he had two children from a previous marriage. And just a week, dude, a fucking week after they were married, his little daughter, the baby, she died of uncertain causes, but while she was left alone in the house with Belle. Red flag. Then... And when did they, this was, they were married in April 1902. So by December, which is what, eight months later. So even the end of the year. Yeah. They get married in April. A week later, he loses his, his daughter, one of his children. And then eight months later, he dies. And what Belle tells the police is like a sausage grinding machine had fallen off of a high shelf and it in the kitchen and it landed on his head. And um, that's how he died. But when the coroner came in, he was like, this fucking dude was murdered. Yeah. Like, this is not an accident. Right. This dude's been doing this his whole life. And this sausage grinder just falls off. Like, who puts a fucking sausage grinder on a top shelf when you're you're like, like, again, that's unusual. Because that could exactly fall on somebody's head. Like, that story. But, like, it... I, even for me, just a placement that doesn't add up. And then for someone to become in like that's that's seen these type of things to say that this looks like murder. Right. And he's a coroner. And so he knows he's seen some shit like he could tell blunt force trauma and, you know, whatever else. A hatchet job, no pun intended. And then one of her kids had actually said at school, like was reported telling like another classmate or something that mommy had killed daddy with like a hatchet or something. A cleaver. A cleaver. Yeah. It doesn't even matter. It was sharp and it went through his head. And then the authorities investigated, but this is what Tish was talking about before. She, in her argument, in her story and whatever she said to these guys was so believable that no charges were ever filed against her, right? So here this is. This is an accident she's claiming. The coroner's like, no, he was killed. And the cops are like, eh, okay, we believe Belle. Mm-hmm. Like, she didn't kill this guy. That lady would never have done Right, that. who knows? But Peter's brother, his name was Gust, came and took Peter's remaining child from the home to Wisconsin and raised the child himself and it is said you know all these years later and through all these stories that unbeknownst to him he fucking saved that little girl's life she's the one that got away right because so far now two of bell's children have been killed and one of peter's children have been killed Mm -hmm. or quote unquote died um Mysteriously. mysteriously so his death when he died, she collected money from that, too. It was another $3,000, which in today's day and age would be over $80,000. With inflation, probably way more than that. So but. now she's up to, like, what, $200,000 that she has? Or was it more than that? I forgot. No, we're, like, at 300000 Oh, it was two forty. So, yeah, like $320,000 or more that she's gotten from... But who knows what she got from the fire and whatever else, too. 
So she has all this money and everyone in the town is like also thinking there's no fucking way yeah, that Peter died it. this way. Everyone's starting to put two and two together. You know, like in a small town, especially back then, everybody probably knew everybody's business. So when things like this happened, the coroner probably was gossiping about stuff. Uh, the kids probably, you know, all heard that told their parents. Everyone knows. Well, not only that, but he'd worked in the town and everyone knew him. Like yeah. he was he, he was a butcher. It's like he was probably the butcher and he was super experienced and he wasn't so like like something like this wouldn't happen to him like he wasn't that clumsy and people were starting to say that like there's no fucking way that that this is how he died um so then the district coroner takes a look at the case and he says without a doubt this was murder mm-hmm. and that's two corners right he convened what do they say he convened a coroner's jury to look into the matter now She's also convinced Belle. We're talking about Belle. She basically that gets she was innocent. Yeah. Like she convinced convinced them of her innocence. Like I don't know how she managed that because again they're they're going up to her telling her what there's what's being said and she convinces them like that that they are wrong and that she's completely innocent. They believe her. And this whole time too, she's pregnant. And after. All of this happens in 1903. She gives birth to another child, a son named Philip. So like a few short years later in 1906, um, Belle's foster daughter, this Jenny Olson, that um, she had told everyone that she basically just went off to college in Los Angeles. And- to a Lutheran college? Is that what she says? Yes, yeah. a Lutheran college. And uh- and she's just gone. Okay, yeah. so that's all we know. She's gone. Mm-hmm. She's gone. Everyone's like, oh, she's at school. Then in 1907... She hires a farmhand, and this guy's name is Ray Lamphere, and she hires him to help with chores and stuff around the house. But, I mean, word word spreads fast, like the, the jungle drums beat, and mm-hmm. you know, again, when you live in a small town, everyone was finding out that he wasn't just his her farmhand. He there was, was the, a sign that says He had that. a slow hand. <laughs> also, the sign on the door said, if this barn is knocking, don't, <laughs> rockin', don't come knocking. He had a farmhand and a lover's touch. <laughs> <laughs> a so, pitchfork and yeah, a shovel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They were they were getting busy, but the thing is is that he bragged to everyone that he was sleeping with her, but she's not interested in him, which I find this interesting too and I've talked to Tish about this is he's around and he's working with mm-hmm. her, working for her, sleeping with him, but never once did she mention marriage, intend on marrying him, mm-hmm. want to marry him. And I think it was more of, for her, she needed an itch scratched, but he didn't have money. Mm-hmm. So he didn't offer her anything. Mm-hmm. And she used him for what she could use him for. And that shows like another side of her personality that she really is a narcissist and maybe like unemotional as far as like, her kids passing and using them for insurance uh, for uh, relationships she had with men that she married and like so easily in suspicion of murder to collect a check. And then now she has this farmhand who's on there, who's practically doing everything for her. She's in full control and which she she doesn't need help. Let me just, let me just say that again, because she was like that lady that went in and did it all herself. Her, her, you know, her um, neighbors witnessed her. They said that she used to dress in men's overalls and she was out there shoveling her own shit. Mm -hmm. Like, so maybe she just needed the extra help. Like it became too overwhelming to do on her own, whatever it was that was happening, you know, like, the the farm work on her own and um she knew she had to keep someone alive around so here's this guy who's willing 
Yeah, and he was in love with her. He loved her. People didn't get it, again, because they just saw her as, like, this burly, you know, woman in overalls that didn't really, you know, get all dolled up. And I guess they didn't find her attractive or find her, like, feminine, I should say. Mm -hmm. Um, Feminine, that would leave a man wanting type. Well, after all the rumors and, like, uh, what guy in town would, would be interested in that, like, you would have to, like, basically find someone out of your, your neighboring pool of uh, suitors. And that's exactly what she did. Yeah, so he's not enough for her. He's not man enough for her. He's not rich enough for her, whatever it is. So she decides that she's going to put out, a, a, like, a personals ad. According to the website swordscale.com, the ad that was put out read as this. Personal. Comely widow who owns a large farm in one of the finest districts in LaPorte County, Indiana, desires to make acquaintance of a gentleman equally well provided with view of joining fortunes. No replies by letter considered unless sender is willing to follow answer with a personal visit. Triflers need not apply. <laughs> this to me really, is fucking crazy. It's forceful. It's so like I'm rich you're rich, let's get together and be richer, and don't bother writing me if you don't come out, plan to come out here and make this fucking happen. Yeah. Like, I don't want you, you wasting my time. It was sort of like, okay, I know what I want and I know what I'm looking for and here you go. But at the same time, if what she did is, did, <laughs> if she did what she did, I feel like, why are you putting your calling card out there? It's like the wet bandits in Home Alone, you know? They Like, everyone knows what, what you did. Everyone knows who went to see you. Everyone knows. Right. Like, it's so bizarre. Like, like she obviously wasn't well, that calculated about it. No. That, but she was in a lot of other it ways. It just shows that there's no forethought in what she's doing because she personally put this ad out. So you know that what your plan is. You know that there's going to be a trace. You already left a paper trail. But what the crazy thing is, is how many men responded to this ad. And I'm talking about troves of men. Yes. And the other thing is, we this was a different time period. So you could get away with a lot more as she already has. She She's very confident in what she's doing. She thinks she's smarter than everybody. So again, and she has means and she knows how to talk to Money. Police and See? Police. What money and, will do? And that's what I think it is. The investigators, they probably got, got paid slaps. off. Who knows what? I mean, like, because how convincing could you be? Like, hypnotizing? Or maybe she had shit on them. Like, and they didn't want to fucking deal with her. Like, maybe she, maybe she knew. With, there's there's many people with different situations that where they go through the list of um, people that she meets and has uh, contact with. And they're from all walks of life, too. Right. So... Now she's ha, ha, this ad goes out right, and tons of dudes start responding to it, and and coming out to see her. And the people around town were taking notice of this too. And the belle that they were used to, you know, wearing the overalls and being sort of homely, she's now wearing like the finest clothes, has her hair in like the fanciest, most like in fashion styles. Probably had super duper push up bra. Wearing. Yeah, probably. <laughs> With a corset that made her boobs go to the sky. Um, and they're seeing her ride around town, taking carriage rides with all these, like, handsome, well-to-do suitors. Like, practically every Sunday, a new dude. Mm -hmm. I mean, not to talk shit, but, like, especially in a small town, like, 
something like that would not go unnoticed. Like there's this lady that lives on a farm by herself and she's sort of dude, dude-ish. And then all of a sudden she's goes, got the hottest dudes. That goes with narcissism. I think that it, it was a couple of things. One, like she was kind of smart about this. So a man with money is fearful that a woman is going to marry him just for his money. Mm-hmm. But if you're a woman with money and I have money, we can put our money together and be fucking a power couple. And I know you're not after me for my money because you have your own money. You have your own farm. So I'm going to be able to have my cake and eat it too. And I think that that's what some of them saw. Some of them were widowers. Some of them were alone. Some of them had already been married and probably thought that they would have no other chance or opportunity to get married again. And again, this is in the 1900s. So it's not like you could just go online and go to farmers.com or walk down to the... Yeah, walk down the street and go to your local bar and pick up on chicks. And, you know, it wasn't, I don't think it was that easy. And I just thought that this, like, you know, money opportunity for them, I'm sure some of them didn't have money and and took their whole life savings and pretended like they had money so that they could be with someone who had money. I'm wondering if the ones that, like, pretended and that brought all their cash with them were, like, the ones that were her victims first. That's sad to think, because I'm sure, I know there's some story that I've read somewhere where one man brought, like, over $2,000 with him, and it was his complete and total life savings, you know, and... and He goes there, he meets her, The there's apparently some kind of exchange for going to the bank, and then this guy's missing. Right, and that's the thing, too, is that people would see them out and about. People would see them going to the bank together. The last time that certain men were seen was at the bank, mm-hmm. either by themselves or with her. Um, so anyway, the, one of the first men that came was this guy named John Moe, and he brought over $1,000 with him. And the whole thing was that she had convinced these men, like, come with this money and pay off my mortgage. Mm-hmm. And they would flock. Like, can you imagine if that worked? Like, we could just put out ads today and be like, come pay my mortgage. Just pay off my mortgage and then we don't have nothing to, to like, we can just then we'll, our lives. Yeah, we'll be kept man and wife type thing, you know, like, which is a total trip. Anyways, that's what she told her neighbors, that these guys came and they would um, pay off, you know, this guy, not these guys, this one guy came and she he was going to pay off her mortgage. Some mortgage. of these guys as her cousin. So she knew enough to be like, these are just not guys I'm... I, yeah, I, she didn't want people to think like I'm, I'm like, you know, messing around and whatever. And I'm, I, these are my suitors and then they're disappearing because I guess to her that felt more suspicious. So if it was like, oh, this is just my cousin Jake or my cousin Bob coming to visit for the weekend and, and I think he'll that, be gone. It kind of covered her ass too. time period, you couldn't be like out and like just openly like dating like that too without there being even more suspicion on you. Right. So this guy, John, disappears from her farm within a week of his arrival. Can you imagine the general store talk at that time about her? <laughs> <laughs> Every time she came in, I'd be like, uh, there she goes again. <laughs> running out the back door. I would be running away. I think I feel like I would be suspicious that she was killing these people, too, with all the fires and death in her family. Mm-hmm. Then the next guy that came was George Anderson from Tarico, Missouri. And he also said that he was going to pay off her mortgage. And they decided that they were going to get married. He is staying on her farm. And he goes to sleep in the guest bedroom. He wakes up in the middle of the night and Belle is 
standing in his room, basically hovering over his bed, I think with just a candle in her hand. And he said that the expression on her face was like, she intended to kill him. Like it was so evil and ominous and awful. And it freaked him out so fucking bad. And um, when, when he saw her, like, he, he just started fucking screaming. Yeah, he fucking <laughs> freaked out. Like, he yelled out, and she freaked out, and she ran out of the room, um, and she didn't say anything. And he was so scared, and he jumped out of bed and put his clothes on. <laughs> he didn't say goodbye or anything, and he just, like, fucking took off. He just did an instinctive, like, ninja roll out of the bed, grabbed his clothes, and just kept running. <laughs> right, he totally got on a train. Smart he dude. was probably free-balling it and everything, and he just <laughs> jammed. And he didn't even, he didn't take anything with him, just the clothes on his back and never, ever, ever came back. So to me, this is like probably one of her, one of the only survivors other than the other, right? (laughs) Other than the little girl that the uncle came for. But even after this, dude just kept coming. None of them, they would all come. But none would ever leave. And then more suspicious that the people started noticing she was also ordering large trunks to her home, her farm, having them delivered. Kept the shutters of her home closed every single day and night and mainly kept to herself. Again, you guys can find this story, by the way, on legendsofamerica.com. More general store gossip. Yeah, right. That'd be fucking weird too. Like here you have this like think about it though. Yeah, this like this burly lady handling her shit by herself. It was like messing around with her farmhand. Then all of a sudden she's got all these hot dudes after her. They come, they don't go. And now she's like boarding up her doors practically, like keeping her windows closed. Like you know how people are are now, but can you imagine back then? They're probably like trying to look into the windows, and like you have probably like a mob of people like are acting like paparazzi out there. She was asking for all that kind of attention, whether she wanted or not. She probably started to notice that like people were watching. Oh yeah, I'm sure. So she's like thinking that closing the shutters was gonna (laughs) solve all that. But anyway, so then another guy, O.B. Budsberg, and he was a widower. He comes next. And the last time, this is the one that we were talking about, where the last time he was seen alive was at Laporte Savings Bank on April 6, 1907. And he mortgaged his Wisconsin land there and signed over a deed getting several thousand dollars in cash. And his children had no idea that their dad was off visiting Belle, like none whatsoever. So they're like, I remember reading a story about this when they're like, dude, where the hell is dad gone? And 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 they're trying to figure out like where he is and like all this stuff. And, and after like they're investigating, they kind of like found letters and they figured out that he was writing to her and that he had taken off like to go try to marry her or... um you know, be with her, whatever, and and was going to combine their fortunes. So they write her a letter and they're like, hey, where's my dad? Mm-hmm. And she's kind of like, I don't know what you're talking about. I never saw your dad. So then men just kept coming, coming, coming and and not leaving. So disappearing Um, when they came to visit her on her farm. And then in 1907, Andrew... Helgeline, this bachelor farmer from South Dakota, writes to her. And they they start doing this whole, like, love letter thing back and forth. Like, it was several letters. It wasn't just one. 
And um, according to legendsofamerica.com, here is what the letter said. To the dearest friend in the world, no woman in the world is happier than I am. I know that you are now to come to me and be my own. I can tell from your letters that you are the man I want. It does not take one long to tell when to like a person. And you I like better than anyone in the world, I know. Think how we will enjoy each other's company. You, the sweetest man in the whole world. We will be all alone with each other. Can you conceive of anything nicer? I think of you constantly. When I hear your name mentioned, and this is when one of the dear children speaks of you, or I hear myself humming it with the words of an old love song. It is beautiful music to my ears. My heart beats in wild rapture for you. My Andrew, I love you. Come prepared to stay forever. And that fucks me up, that last line. Come prepared to stay forever. So she wrote the letter. Yeah, she wrote. They're going back and forth, back Mm -hmm. and forth. But this is one of the letters that they had found penned um, to Andrew that she wrote him. And I read that. I'm not kidding you. Come prepared to stay forever fucking gives me goosebumps. (sighs) Like you would not believe. She meant it. Yeah, she really did mean till death do us part. Right away. Like, he cannot wait. So, by 1908, January, he is... Checking hands. You know, wanting to be by her side. Right. Checking hand, 2900 in his savings. He arrived... And him and him and Bell appeared at Savings Bank in Laporte and deposited the check. And and like people are seeing her with these guys depositing checks in the bank. So the bank tellers know what's going on here. She's again with a new guy. Guy goes missing or he was never seen again. Here she is. The well, next this with one, a new guy. this one made actually more of a stink because so she introduces this guy to Ray. You guys remember Ray Lamphere, her farmhand, the one that was all insanely in love with her. And um, she tells him that they're going to be married and he fucking flips out. Like he's so jealous, like of all the men coming and going, well, not going, but coming and coming and coming, you know, all the time. And this one, like he can't stand it. So he like goes off his rocker. She gets pissed off. He makes the scene. So she fires him. February 3rd, 1908. Then a few days later, her husband to be gone. No moss. I guess he broke up with her is probably what she said. But she goes to the bank and makes an additional deposit. This time, $1,200. So I guess she starts plotting and she's like, okay, this, I'm, I'm, maybe she's, she's a, starting- I think she's afraid because she fires Ray. Yeah. And I think that she thinks that he's, he's going to start he's gonna ratting her out. Right. Yeah. So then she starts formulating a plan to make sure that she's okay. So she she shows her she shows up like she herself goes to the Laporte County uh, courthouse and she starts telling these stories like spinning her web ooh because she's the Black Widow that was mm-hmm. a good one I didn't even mean that boom <laughs> <laughs> she starts spinning her web and she's saying that th- that Ray is totally out of his mind and he's a menace to public and blah blah blah. So, again, her convincing fucking stories, I don't know how she does this with no proof or anything, she convinces the local authorities to hold a sanity hearing. Mm-hmm. Like, he is off out of his mind because she thinks, honestly, that he's going to start saying, Belle's a murderer. And if she, she knows that if she plants the story, oh, he's crazy, he's crazy, he's crazy. When this shit starts coming up, mm-hmm. she's going to be like, well, I already came to you and told you he was crazy. You know, that's exactly what I was telling you guys, remember? Right. So, she convinces them to, to hold this hearing but he's pronounced sane and nothing happens to him 
And then she comes back a couple days later and she was like, no, you don't understand. He's now visited my home and he's starting fights and shit like arguments, you know, confrontations and that he has now threatened her and her family and um, she wants and he gets arrested for trespassing. Well, even after he gets arrested, he still comes back and he wants to see her. But every time she just keeps telling him, like, get out of here. And driving him she off must of her have property. Had some kind of mad uh, juju. <laughs> I know. I don't even want to tell you what I think. It's, I'm sure you guys could imagine. Well, then one of the neighbors is like, he says some weird shit. He's he's told me that Andrew Hegelian. Yeah, he's not going to bother me anymore. We fixed him, quote unquote, fixed him for keeps. But now that guy's brother. Kyle. Gets super upset when his brother doesn't come home. So now he writes Belle. As some family members should, you like your 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 family member goes off to marry someone doesn't come back. You're gonna you're not invited questions. to the wedding. Like I didn't get sent a piece of cake. Like what the hell is going on? No where is back. he? This is the one where she writes back and was like, um, "Well, he's not here anymore, and he probably went back to Norway to visit relatives." And he's like, uh, no, no, that bitch. would not happen. That is not something <laughs> not that he would do. Tell me where my brother. I is. know that he's still in Laporte somewhere. Ansel is somewhere in your house. Yeah, and she's like, um, well, you could come look for him, and I'll help you look for him. But if I'm gonna help you, then you're gonna pay me. I'm like, bitch, you better help me and shut up. Right. So she's getting her money any way she can. This is so jacked up. And honestly, if he had gone out there, she probably would have killed him too. Now she goes to a lawyer and she's like, I'm fearing for my life. I'm fearing for my kid's life. This Ray guy, he keeps threatening me and he says he's going to kill me and burn my house down and that he's going to kill my kids. Right. And all this shit. So I'm going to make out a will, you know, in case he goes through his, with his threats. Um, My children are going to be, Beneficiaries. beneficiaries of the estate well she doesn't go to the police to tell them of the threats just to the lawyer and february 1908 she hires another man named joe maxon another farmhand and a couple of months later this guy wakes up in the house because he smells smoke and he's in his room on the second floor he opens up the hallway and he just sees flames like coming like from, you know, everywhere, burning the house down. And he starts screaming for Belle and for her kids and he hears nothing. Yeah. And he slams the door. He jumps out the window and barely survives and gets out of the fire. I mean, like it was yeah, literally. Like, so he was like in a panic and then screaming for them. And then like, cause he's not, he's even concerned about the fact that they're still in the house. Yeah. Like, the he's, kids like, lingering. Yeah. He's not hearing a response. Probably open. Like I couldn't have been that big of a space. Open up, sees no one in there and jumps out the window, like enough to save himself. And his chonies. Takes off to town. But the time that any help comes to like, you know, put out the fire, the whole house was already gone. There, you know, there was no saving it. And they found four bodies inside the house. There was a headless corpse of a woman and three children. Not suspicious at all. And... Because Belle had gone to the police and to the authorities originally and then to a lawyer spouting all this shit about Ray, mm-hmm. he's who they go after. They're like, oh, I remember that he said he was going to burn the house down. And, you know, nice story, Belle. They take off to find him and they start digging through the fire 
and they realize that you know or they think that you know ray killed him this is this is a a murder during the in the investigation too like they start examining the evidence like again everyone believes this ray guy did it right they find this 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 lady though with the missing head right and she doesn't fit the bill right so the thing is is that we had told you Belle's like somewhere between five foot nine and six foot tall, and she mm-hmm. weighs 200 pounds. This person that they find that's beheaded in the fire mm-hmm. is five foot three, I think, and may maybe weighs like a buck fifty. And they're like, oh no, that's not Belle. That's not Belle. And everybody, and like, even people in the town were like, like came to, they're not. like, nope, that her, is exactly her. Dennis comes and says, I have te- uh, dental uh, records on her, and then they find her bridges that are just carefully placed, missing the. School. And they're like, "Oh, these are her teeth. This yeah, is her. Must be her. This is Belle. She died in this fire." So then Ray's arrested, and he's charged with murder. And the whole time he's like, "Dude, I'm innocent. I'm innocent. I'm innocent." And it was Andrew's brother who comes back. And had still been insisting. So when they started digging around, oh yeah, that's fucked up. The property to find more evidence. They were looking for you know. Andrew the, the knew it the whole time. He yeah. was like, "There's some fucking foul play involved here." Mm-hmm. Like my brother took his life savings here to marry this woman, and now he's gone. Since you guys are already here doing this damn investigation, you're gonna start digging around, and you're gonna see what you find. Because I guarantee you, my brother's body is gonna come up here. Mm-hmm. He starts saying, you know, he he answered her ad and it was in a norwegian language newspaper and she offered him true love and a life of wedded bliss but also wanted that money that she needed to pay off her her mortgage and he withdrew his life savings and and now he's gone so i know i know he's here so he tells them like tish said to start digging and they were looking for her head anyways. The head was missing on the spotty. So as they were doing that, they started pulling up other things like men's watches, assorted bones, other human uh, teeth instead. So he started searching the property on his own at this point. They're probably like looking in one area. So this guy just grabs a shovel and says, fuck it. I'm yeah, he just listen. starts digging in the piles of trash. He's like, I'm, I'm going to find something in the hog pen. He starts digging in the hog pen. He's like, I'm, he probably I'm. spotted something and started screaming. Let's start digging here. And as people said, like, yeah, we seen her digging here. So what happens is they they start digging and they start finding uh, body parts that are skillfully cut up. They find uh, other things that are suggested of body parts and and murder. Yeah, things like wrapped in in different cloths. So the the farmhand, okay, the last one that she hired, the one that almost died in the house, he's like, dude, like, there's a bunch of suspicious stuff going on here that, like, now that this is unfolding, like, I can't fucking ignore this. Like, she was having me bring, like, piles of dirt um, by wheelbarrow to this spot in front of, like, where the hogs were fed, mm-hmm. where... It looked like the earth, the 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 earth had been dug up and something was maybe buried there, but it had caused like an impression, so it left like a dent in the dirt. And she would have me bring like these loads and piles of dirt and fill it in, so it didn't, so that all the ground would be flat. Mm-hmm. She told him that they just, um, when he asked like what was in them, she said that they just quote unquote contained rubbish, mm-hmm. and she wanted the ground level. It probably smelled really bad, and he's like, "What is that in there?" Right. And she's like, oh, it's probably just garbage. I mean, it's right near where the pigs were fed. It's slop. It's whatever. Yeah. But then other farmers were, were like, dude, we would drive by at night and we'd see her digging in the, the hog pen with the shovel. 
they decided to come back with more men and to dig more. And on May 3rd, 1908, they ended up unearthing um, Jenny Olson, which was the daughter that she had claimed had gone away to the Lutheran College mm-hmm. in, in 1906. And they also found ch- uh, children's bodies, unidentified children. It's like the more time they spent there, the more bodies that they, that were found, just like one after the other, after the other, after the other in the hog pen. Mm-hmm. But these are the ones that are identified. And this is, again, in legendsofamerica.com. Old B. Budsberg of Iola, Wisconsin, vanished May 1907. Thomas Linbo, Henry Gerholt, he'd gone to wed her a year earlier, taking $1,500. Olaf Svenrud from Chicago, John Moe of Elbow Lake, Minnesota. They found his watch in um, Ray's possession, the original farmhand. Olaf Lindblom, age 35, from Wisconsin. Benjamin Carling of Chicago. Oh, this one's sad. He was last seen by his wife in 1907 after telling her that he was going to Laporte to secure an investment with a wealthy widow. Um, So who knows what she told him to get him there. Mm -hmm. Then there were several unidentified bodies, unsolved mysteries that came from um, all of this mess too. And because there were so many like unidentified, they put out headlines all across the Midwest, like reports of like missing people. And they wanted people from all over to come claim bodies to see if they were their lost, you know, loved ones. Um, And they all traveled like in, in masses to Laporte to try to identify, you know, family members that they knew had gone out with their life savings or with some money to maybe wed someone like all these stories. So some of the ones that have not been proven, but I guess are notable was, uh, Christy Hilvkin. Gosh, these names are so hard to pronounce. Dover of Wisconsin. Um, he had sold his farm and came to Laporte in 1906. Charles Nienberg, a 28 year old Scandinavian immigrant living in Philadelphia. Um, he took $500 with him. John H. McJunkin left his wife after corresponding with a Laporte woman. Olaf Jensen, a Norwegian immigrant, wrote to his relatives that he was going to marry a, with a wealthy widow in Laporte. Bert Chase of Indiana sold his butcher shop and told friends of a wealthy widow that he was going to look her up. A hired man named George Bradley of Tuscaloosa. He went to Laporte to meet a widow and three children in October of 1907. T.J. Tefland of Minneapolis came to see Bell. Fred Reidinger, a farmer in Wisconsin, uh, came in 1907 to marry and never returned. Emil Tell, a Swede from Kansas City, Missouri, had gone to Laporte in 1907. Lee Porter of Bartonville, Oklahoma, separated from his wife and told his brother he would marry a wealthy widow on Laporte. John E. Hunter, same thing. Um, Abraham Phillips, same thing. And then um, reported other unnamed victims may have been a daughter of Mrs. H. Whitezer of Toledo, who had attended a university near Laporte. An unknown man and woman are alleged to have disappeared in September 1906, the same night Jenny Olson went missing. A brother of Miss Jenny Graham um, in Wisconsin, who left her to marry a, a wealthy widow in Laporte. A hired man from Ohio, age 50, name unknown disappeared and um gunness became the heir to his horse and buggy an unnamed man from montana told people at a resort he was going to sell gunness his horse and buggy so i mean the list goes on most of the bodies found 
which is so just devastating, um, could not be identified. And it was like her means of killing them, which was crazy. It was just like a pile of like, like body parts that needed to be pieced together and teeth and bones and watches that like, she didn't take the watches, tons of watches left over. But to my understanding too, like she would poison them. And then this is all according to, to Ray, she would poison them and get impatient mm -hmm. um, to wait for them to die slowly from the poisoning. So they would just have to be like, not with it enough for her to chop them up into little pieces and bury them. And a lot of times she would put them somewhere, I don't know if in barrels or something, and then pour some sort of chemical over them to have it eat at the flesh so that it, they would decompose faster. And then when she would get tired and she didn't want to do that anymore, she would just feed them to the hogs. So that would be why, like, there was a lot of body parts that didn't match because... They're all scattered around and... Yeah. And shit out. Yeah. So not all the pieces were there. And Ray is just... He was tried for murder and arson. He, of course, pled innocent. He, the reason that he said he was innocent was because his excuse was, Belle isn't dead. You know, I didn't kill her. She's not dead. That's not her body. That's someone else's body. And, you know, slowly things were unveiled by him. But his story kind of changed sometimes, too. I know initially he said that, you know, she was going to burn down the house and he was supposed to meet her at the end of some road or something and she never showed up. And then another time he was like, um, he burned the house down. She fled through a farm or whatever. But it's like, it's so messed up. And um, he swears that he never killed anybody, but that he did help her get rid of the bodies. And he even talked about, like, the ways that he had watched her and that she had made them meals and then drugged their coffee. And when they were stupor, he, she uh, split uh, his head with a meat chopper. And other times she would wait for the suitor to go to bed and then enter the bedroom by candlelight and chloroformed her sleeping victim. So I guess that guy who woke up just in the nick of time and rolled out the... Well, was about to get fucking chloroformed. Yeah. That's what she did. She would go by candlelight and chloroform him. But it was really weird, too. Like, she made them feel super comfortable. And she was really charming and, and all this kind of stuff. And at the time, she was 48 years old. And according to Ray, she herself carried the bodies to the basement. Like, when I keep saying she was a strong woman, she was a strong woman. Like, mm -hmm. working on a farm her whole life, she would carry the bodies to the basement and then dissected them and bundled them and, like I said, did all that shit. Quicklime. She she covered the remains with quicklime. And, and if you're a farmer and you have things like corn, you would know that you could use that to take off shells and right. have access to that kind of stuff. Then then um, Ray starts saying that the mysterious lady, the lady that was placed there to be Belle, was a maid or like Belle had put out an ad maybe and was trying to hire a maid or a housekeeper. And then she ended up using her to fake her death. She, he says that she Close. drugged her, yeah, and yeah. then bashed in her head and then decapitated her. And then she had tied weights to her head and tossed it in a swamp. And put this lady in the basement, put this lady's clothes on her. Put Belle's clothes on the lady, yeah. yeah. Put Belle's own clothes on this woman um, and then removed her false teeth and placed them beside the headless corpse to ensure it would be identified as herself. She also chloroformed her children and smothered them to death and then carried them to the basement and then she fucking lit her house on fire. And he also claims that by this time... Ray, Ray says, by this time, 
she had become a very rich woman. He said that she'd murdered 42 men and had taken money ranging from 1000 to 32000 like wow. from each of the men. And like what did we say 4000 or yeah 4000 at the time was like 240000 or some shit so like imagine oh, no. yeah, what that before that was already, I think it was over 300 at that point plus <sighs> So she All had money. So she had a considerable fortune. Um, and they think that it may have been about six point seven million dollars today that she had gotten from killing all of these people. When they, you know, were doing the investigation, they checked her bank accounts and she had a tiny little amount of money in her savings account, but all the other uh, accounts had been completely wiped out. She withdrew all of her money. Before the fire, of course. And she took off. So and mm. now there are over 40 bodies in a short period of time starting with her first husband so she killed her two husbands all of her children and several suitors and it makes you bring me back to that original part where i was telling you to hold on to the for uh, foreshadowing that again that first encounter when she's pregnant and she's at that party and she seems to be randomly attacked and her stomach kicked it makes you think about that in the beginning as well, where also got did this this that whole incident actually trigger these series of events, or was it something that she learned from, where that rich people get away with things and how they get away with it? And she had some wit and some charm to do a snake dance in front of somebody to right. get them to do what she wanted them to do. Right. She was. I don't even know what the word is. She hypnotized them with something. And and before, I mean, before it had even leaked in the press that she may have faked her own death, people were already kind of, like, making those assumptions. And they were, like, seeing her everywhere. Mm -hmm. There were sightings. There were mm -hmm. bell sightings. Like, constantly people would see her in different places. This was, like, the gossip of the day. This is, like, something that, like, was unheard of that people, it spread through newspapers. Like, everybody in the country probably knew about the story in the time. It wasn't just a small town thing anymore. According to uh, SwordandScales.com, there was a local delivery boy who had brought some groceries to, I don't know who Elizabeth is, but to Elizabeth's home. Maybe it was, like, a neighbor or a friend or something. And he spotted Belle standing in the kitchen, and he was scared to death. And he didn't say anything to anybody for years, but his story was never verified. Mm -hmm. Like, so tons of people kept seeing her. And I'm not just talking like a couple days after. I'm talking about the decades to follow. People kept reporting seeing sites of her in different places, like Mississippi. And they said that in 1930, they received a tip that a seven-year-old widow that was living on some estate or farm or something, that that was Balgunis. It was, it came from someone who had worked on, as a farmhand in the port for her, like, like 20 years before, but they didn't, they didn't take the, the name of the person. So, and there was also confusion about like who was supposed to like go out and investigate it. So I don't think anything will obviously not much became of it. And then, so I'm not sure if you guys are aware of Esther Carlson. So she came to the forefront of the media in 1931 and she was a, uh, she, she murdered, I want to say her husband or I'm looking at pictures of them side to side. I don't. So I, she she was uh, arrested for fatally poisoning a man named August Lindstrom 
and she apparently murdered him for money and that he wasn't the only one. And then she had a friend or whatever that had also was in the hospital with also a poisoning. And that lady was trying to say, you know, Esther had killed him and people were freaking out thinking that it was Belle Gunnis. And there was so much. Um, if you look at a picture of them, they don't look anything alike. Mm-mm. Their ages are around the same. But Esther comes up in history before Belle faked her death. So, like, she's a real person with real whatever. Like, they're like, there's no way that they could be the same. But there are stories going around that pictures of Belle's children were found in Esther's apartment after Esther died. So that's why people were so like, there's so much evidence that maybe that Esther was Belle. Um, I 100% don't believe it, but I just no. think that it was an interesting tie. And if or that is true, newspaper clippings, too. right. I thinking to myself, if that was true, maybe she had heard about Belle and um, wanted to do the same mm-hmm. and was studying her. Yeah, and you expect some copycat killers after something like this. Right. Right. So to this day, guys, Belle has never been found. Her body has never been found. Obviously she's not, alive anymore <laughs> but it would be but curious to find her <laughs> <laughs> it would be curious to know what she did with her life after she left like did she stay close to laporte did she pick up and move to you know another country yeah, did she go sense. back to norway mm-hmm. like or did she stick around the midwest and change her name and you know live or did she just buy a farm in another name and stayed secluded it could have been an easy thing for her to do mm-hmm. But, yeah, what a way to kick off Women's History Month. This heinous... (laughs) (laughs) Bloody... I know. So fucking creepy. Like, uh, an easy way to make a penny. I mean, and the thing that weirds me out, too, I mean, obviously she was mentally disturbed, but, like, she was capable. So she was working hard every day, like, on her farm and working hard to murder these men. Like, she could have gotten a job. She could have worked at the fucking bank and, like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, but she found a way to make really quick money in a way that was easy for her. And she seemed like she was someone who was really good at reaping. Right. And then why kill her children? That's something that I couldn't understand either. And one of the... Well, one of the things that Ray said was that the children had to die because they were starting to question. Mm -hmm. They were starting to become too aware and, like, realize, like, put two and two together. So she's like, let's just get rid of them. Well, she was probably, like, basically raising them for some accident to happen to them anyway. And she needed a clean getaway and you can't do that. But at the same time, everything that she's ever done suggests that she has no really feelings or remorse for what she does she pulled out her damn bridge and just like left it in the fire like she was had a wherewithal enough to do that right. like for i know that the dentist is gonna come look at look for my head and at least mm-hmm. they'll find this how can the skull i mean the head being missing though like yeah. obviously she chopped the head off because she knew that they weren't going to be able to i'm surprised that she didn't kill ray because ray said that he was supposed to meet her somewhere and she never showed up. And I'm he sure said we- a couple of things though. He said he was supposed to meet her that she never showed up. And then the other time you said that she took off through the, you know, through the farm, through the forest or whatever, and they weren't supposed to. So I don't, I don't know if why leave like a, a I guess to have someone to plan it all on. Yeah, it's exactly why she needed a scapegoat. Mm-hmm. She planted the story about him being crazy she used him while she had him and honestly i think that that was her she knew all along 
that she was going to use him to get away with murder. Like, that's why she kept him around, why she didn't kill him, because she needed to have someone to plant this on. And he was a close man to her, and um, it would be easy. And he would do anything that she wanted, no matter how gross or gruesome or foul. And he was even wearing watches of the people that, that were murdered, like... He didn't care. He loved her and was going to do anything that she wanted him to do. And he, I think that he honestly believed at the end of it that they would be together. And uh, now they are. I don't know. That's crazy. Like, you don't hear... I mean, there are female serial killers. They're not as frequently talked about. I mean, I'm surprised about how many people didn't hear about Belle Gunness when she had a victim count of over 40, including her own children. And um, I don't think had plans of stopping. And I'm sure when you have a a life like that, even escaping it, she had to have continued it in some awful way. She had to have gone somewhere else, changed her name, married someone else, you know, mysteriously they died. Or did she reach a point where she had enough money so she said enough's enough? I just think that that she realized that she was getting backed into a corner and she couldn't keep making stories up and too many people were looking at her suspiciously and she knew that she so she was just like I need to exit what I'm doing and just start fresh in a new location there's nothing I can do here maybe things were said there's a lot unknown it would be hella creepy to like if they finally discovered who she was and you know, it turns out that, like, she opened up a bakery or some shit and lived out a happy life. I know there was a point, I want to say, I read somewhere, I don't remember where, that I think in 2007, they did unearth her body. Um, Well, the body of the headless body, because they had obtained a letter that the envelope had been licked closed by her. And... Um, DNA evidence was at such a point where they could match it to the body. But I guess, I don't know if there wasn't enough on the letter. It wasn't that they couldn't make a match. They couldn't figure it out. There there wasn't enough DNA evidence, basically, to confirm. So they kind of, like, just let it go. But it's crazy to think, like, you know. Well, do we really need DNA evidence to know that it wasn't her? We know it wasn't her. Her head was missing. Well, yeah. There's no way that she went from, you know. Friday night weighing 200 pounds to to Saturday morning weighing 150 pounds. Like her fucking head didn't weigh 50 pounds. And then there's, there's no way that it was her. Especially like, again, we know it wasn't her. We know she got away. She knows she went somewhere. I don't think we really need to prove that as far as like scientifically. You know, what's crazy is that when my husband and I were first dating, we, you, you told him to bring all his money? <laughs> I told him to bring $1,000 to pay off my mortgage. No, we discovered that we both had this bizarre, um, I don't know how to say it without sounding fucking morbid, but we liked watching like murder type, you know, unsolved mystery kind of shows. And your favorite story was Bill. No, Gunn. I didn't know about her. I had no clue. He was the first one that told me about her. And I remember being mortified like this woman existed and I had no idea. And she had over 40 deaths like on her fucking belt notches. And like, how do we not hear about this? Like you hear about, you know, Zodiac or even um Jack the Ripper. Like he's an old fucking timey 
we heard about him. How do we not hear about Belle Gunnis? And he was like, yeah, she would come and she would either like poison them or like hatchet them or something with I her little like candlelight. And it is like one, it's like in the mid, like the Midwest, it's like a really long time ago, but like also like nobody really cares when like dudes like fall to like their doom. Like when it's a story about like women and children that's what gets the emotional reaction from people. Yeah, I guess so. Because with her, it's not a question of, like, knowing who did it. It's a question, like, of did she get away or not? And with Jack the Ripper, it was like, who the fuck was it? It's like this age-old mystery that's unsolved with all these theories. And gruesome and, like, disturbing. Or even Zodiac. Zodiac is still right. considered an unsolved case, even right. though everyone has a feeling, including me, who did it. Even though, and hers definitely was high profile. I just think, like, it just got eclipsed by other ones that were just more disturbing and dramatic. Or, well, it was a or, huge or thing at the time, but it just fizzled away with time, which is shocking to me. Because, like you said, other ones haven't. Like, we are, we didn't even live in the time of some of those mm-hmm. Um well-known serial killers and they're still talked about on the regular today but anyway my my point being it just it's it's so weird and it's so terrifying it already is scary enough thinking you know that people like this exist in the world but i think like adding femininity to it makes it more mind-boggling makes it more terrifying it makes it more heartless especially towards her children her kids that's what fucks me up like she had no qualms shows like her heartlessness and her ability to just indiscriminate who her victims were when it came to money and i think that's very uncharacteristic of like feminine energy to me that is i mean she takes like gold digger to a whole other sphere. <laughs> I don't even know. Like that's some crazy stuff. Like even after the first one, when she made like two hundred and forty thousand dollars, like that was not enough for her. She's like, "Ooh, wow, this is cool. I'm gonna keep going. Let me put out an ad and bring my fucking victims to me." Mm-hmm. And maybe that her first husband didn't allow her to have access to it, so she had to get rid of him. And then other things are causing her problems, and she just learned that she all she had. She to do waited was- though for that shit. Let me yeah. tell you, that was calculating because she knew all of the money situation, and she knew there was one fucking day, one day, like she had to be looking at that shit with a fine tooth comb to realize that that insurance Overlapped. on one day Overlapped. Overlapped. Overlapped on one day on one day, and so that's pro- when she fucking killed him. Mentioned it, but like they like you have this policy. Yeah, she went and, and was like, "Oh, you got this policy already, like, and when you do this, you're gonna have to do it." And then you're, it's be gonna like, be hey, yeah. you got two, and then this day it's gonna overlap. So just letting you know because they probably gave someone that information, and, and she, she went like, ching 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 ching. She's like, "Oh, I know when your death day is." <laughs> yeah. How fucking, like, mental. And in front of her kids. And you know what the crazy thing is, is that you would think, but I guess not. I mean, you and I have been fooled by characters before, but you would think that you would get a sense of evil. You know what I mean? Like, you're a dude, and you're like, oh, hey, Aletta. And she's like, hey, I love you. Let me make you dinner and drink this. Well, if it's a a business relationship... There's some people like who have the mentality like you're supposed to hate your your spouse like so yeah we're just in this for the money yeah so 
It really depends on the situation. I don't know. I wonder whatever happened to her, to Belle Gunness. Maybe as uh, one of our ghost hunts, we should travel to her La Pointe. It's Pennsylvania? Yeah. Um, no, it is in uh, Indiana. Indiana. Yeah, because she lived in Chicago and then she, yeah, she moved to Indiana after that. Yep. That would be creepy. You know how the feeling of that land would be, honestly? I like think somebody, guys. like, over 40 bodies on that land. Like, that's crazy. I think someone did buy it. Like, they didn't care that all those murders happened there, and they just bought the property after, I think. Real if I remember. cheap. Probably. Anyway, uh, yeah. that, was a, that was a heavy way to kick off Women's History Month. I'm exhausted <laughs> by the, the heaviness. The evil women in all history. We have to get out the notorious first. <laughs> yeah, crazy-ass Belle Gunness. What else do they call her? Hell's Bells. They called her Hell's Bells. She looked like a Hell's Bells. Yeah. Hell's Bells. That was an episode and a half. I hope that you have a happy Women's History Month. Woo! And um, hopefully next week we'll have a story not so gruesome. And remember, guys, don't answer newspaper ads to strangers like that ever. Yeah. <laughs> you know when you get those, like, freaking things that say, it's like the I'm a prince from wherever, and all I need is $1,000. Like, like, it still happens today. It was, today. like, the equivalent of Craigslist dating <laughs> in modern times. Show up it. at this address with a check for $2,500, and you and I will marry and live our lives. safe, and you will be happy. Don't tell your relatives. You mustn't breathe a word of this to anyone. And on that note, if you're going to be paranormally active... Always use protection. And run. When you can run, run. Swipe right. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, isn't it left? I don't know. Do the swiping, that means no. <laughs>